0: Is it safe? no? Yes? No? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it's, your, it's your knees, Jerry, it's your knees. Well that's a really good way to start when you're nervous. It really just um. Help. Okay. Please help us. Um so I'm wondering how many of you guys have ever heard a story that begins with words like once upon a time. Or perhaps in a land far, far away. Or maybe you've heard a story that begins with the words, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) Uh words and this music. That's enough of the music. You <laughs> can these words and this music, it's very familiar to us, isn't it? When you hear those words, you know what's about to come, don't you? Now I I'm gonna give you a little spoiler alert. For any of you who have any superhero movies or Star Wars films that you haven't yet seen that you're planning to see, I just wanna warn you I'm about to ruin the story for you. So I apologize in advance, but it's about to happen because these stories are so familiar, aren't they? They always begin with a villain, this epic evil villain, and he comes in with a plan whose evil is going to overtake the kingdom or the city or even the galaxy, right? And there are people who live in these places and in this galaxy and they're captured by evil. But of course... There's always a hero, isn't there? And this hero stands for truth and for justice. And the hero comes and he battles the villain in an epic battle. And he overthrows evil and he rescues those who have been captured in evil's plan. It's a familiar story, isn't it? It sounds a little like the story that we hear in the Bible. In fact, if you were here last Sunday, you may have heard Alex talk a little bit about that, the message of the Bible. And he may have made reference to a story that sounds strangely similar. And so it begs the question, why is it that we keep telling this story? I mean, as many superheroes and Star Wars movies that there are, they just keep churning them out and we keep spending good money. To see the same story over and over again, we can't seem to help ourselves. Why is that? I actually think the answer can be found in a book called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written by a king, probably the greatest king for the nation of Israel. His name was Solomon, right? And Solomon was granted, scripture tells us that Solomon was granted by God a great amount of wisdom. And because of his wisdom, he accumulated power and knowledge and wealth, everything that a person could ever want or desire, every experience, every pleasure, anything that you could want, And in this experience, he learned some things, and so he decided to write a book called Ecclesiastes. A little bit of an, almost an autobiography. He wanted to share his experiences of going on this journey and all that he'd learned and all that he'd acquired and all that he had, and he said that at the the end of all of it, what he kept finding is that he kept coming up empty. He kept coming back to this sense that maybe there just wasn't enough in it. And then he tells us the reason why We probably find this, why he probably experienced this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, what King Solomon said that he found after all of his searching and all of his journey, he wrote that um, God makes all things beautiful in its time, and then he said, God has placed eternity within the human hearts. God has placed eternity within the human heart. What Solomon says is that inside every single one of us is this sense that there has to be more than this, that God has placed eternity inside of us, that I am more than my past, I am more than my present, I am more than the finite future, that there has to be something outside of space and time, that there must be more. And Solomon says that that it is God himself who has placed that within us on purpose, to draw us longingly. And so what do we do without realizing it? And I live I live at home in California, so I'm, I'm, I'm about 40 minutes from Hollywood. And I can tell you that there aren't too many people who really, really are excited about Jesus there. And there aren't a lot of people who are purposely trying to tell his story. But isn't it interesting that inside every person, God has placed a sense of longing for more and so whether we want to or not whether we believe in him or not we cannot help but tell his story isn't that so interesting and actually it isn't just Hollywood and it isn't just fairy tales who acknowledge this sense of longing for something more there's um there's a singer you may be familiar with him I know that he's quite popular in the Harris household his name is Robbie Williams <laughs> And I'm told by both Harris's on separate occasions that he's written a song that says, there's a hole in my soul, you can see it in my face, it's a really big place. There's another person that you may be familiar with. Um, His name is Prince Charles. Now, I I recognize that maybe not everyone is a fan. As an American, I have no sympathy. We all struggle. Um, (laughs) But Prince Charles is quoted as saying, for all the advances of science, there remains deep in the soul, if I dare use that word, a persistent and unconscious anxiety that something is missing, some ingredient that makes life worth living. You see, whether we mean to or not, whether we're intending to or not, we cannot help but long for the story of God. And so as Alex said, we're we're just sort of heading into this second week of a series called I'm So Glad You Asked. And today we're looking at why are there so many religions, and I think that the the very simple answer actually lies in what Solomon has said to us in Ecclesiastes. You see, there's this longing within all of us to know the story of God and to understand how God's story brings meaning to, to my life. And so what I believe is that, that every religion begins with a very honest human attempt to tell the story of God. And to understand how God's story brings meaning to my life, I believe that every single religion begins at that place. Now that, that kind of leads us to another question, doesn't it? Some of you, you, you're already there, you're already thinking that question. You're already saying, but yes, Chrissy, if every religion is just trying to tell the story of God, then how do we know that Christianity is telling the right story? Isn't that really the question? It's not so much that why are there so many religions, the real question that we want to know is, how do we know that this is the right story? If I'm gonna give my life to this, if I'm gonna pursue this, and make no doubt that pursuing Jesus will ruin your life and any plans that you have, and I mean that in the best way, but I mean it very, very honestly, and so if you're going to pursue this at any cost, then don't you want to be sure it's the right story? Yeah? yeah? You with me? Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> so how do we know that Christianity is the right story? Well, the very simple <clears throat> answer is that Christianity is the only story that tells the story of a risen Jesus. Yeah. I want to stress this because this is important. Christianity is the only one that tells the story of a risen Jesus. They are not the only ones who tell the story of Jesus. In fact, even uh, (coughs) non-Christian scholars or historians will acknowledge the fact of a historical Jesus. There was factually a man named Jesus who existed. (coughs) Lots of people will acknowledge that. And lots of religions will acknowledge things about Jesus. Buddhists will, will say that, that Jesus was enlightened, he was a teacher. Some Jews would reject Jesus, but some Jews would say, oh, he's a, good, he's a good teacher. People who don't believe in God, atheists, might say that Jesus taught moral ways of living. Muslims, especially, would not only uh, embrace Jesus as a great prophet, there, there's many stories and teachings of Jesus in the Quran, but there's one thing that all of these religions have in common, and that is that they, they acknowledge Jesus as good, but they do not acknowledge him as God. They acknowledge him as good, but they do not acknowledge him as God. And that is what sets Christianity apart, because it is only Christianity that tells the story of a risen Savior. And so what I'd like to do for the few minutes that we have together, if I can, is to talk to you from Mark chapter 2 and look at just one story of Jesus to understand what is the story that Christianity has to tell about Jesus. Can we do that? Yes. Okay, so if you have your Bible, pull that out. I didn't make any slides, sorry. I'm not very technically savvy. If you have a Bible, pull it out. If you don't have one, grab one. Don't take my word for it. I mean, honestly, like, know what it says for yourself. I could say anything. Let's look at Mark chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Uh, What I want you to do, as I'm reading this story, what I want you to listen for, what I want you to look for, is what do the people say about Jesus, and what does Jesus say about himself? So be listening for that. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, "We have never seen anything like this." So we have here this story. Which, in order to understand this story, Mark, um, if you've if you've ever spent any time in Mark's Gospel, which if you hang out with Alex, I'm sure that you have. And Mark moves so quickly. So Mark, in the very first chapter of this book that he's written, he covers a whole load of things that are happening in Jesus' life. And so to understand this story, you have to understand that Mark has already been telling us that Jesus has been going around, and not only has he been teaching in other towns, but he's been healing people, he's been casting out demons, he's been doing all kinds of, honestly, just crazy things, right? And so it says that he comes here, and this is Peter's house that he comes to, it says he comes back home. He, he's sort of the hometown hero. He's coming back home, and people are flocking. And like any preacher, we'd all love to believe that people show up because we're so awesome and our sermons are the most interesting ever. But honestly, people came for the spectacle. They came for the show. They're like, dude, he's going to heal somebody. You know what I mean? Like, they want to see it. Well, like, you know, this is why they're coming. And maybe at first when Jesus starts talking, they're like, dude, come on, get to the good stuff, right? Like, why are you talking? And so they're gathered in, they're packed in, and Mark says that there's a group of guys, a paralyzed man and and a group of friends who come and they have faith that Jesus can heal. And honestly, there are probably many people there who did believe that Jesus could heal or they wouldn't have been there, it would have been a waste of time. Now these guys came and they saw that it was packed and and unlike maybe some of us, they decided they weren't just going to leave and say, oh, we'll have to catch them next time. They decided that some guy, and you know it would be a group of guys because women would never do this, but there was some, these group of guys decided that it would be a really good idea to climb up on the roof and, and rip a hole in the roof. The Bible doesn't tell you how Peter felt about this, but I'm sure his wife or his mother wasn't happy about it. But they decided to literally rip a hole in the roof, and they're going to bring him down. And I can't help but see this from the perspective of a preacher. And I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus is probably in the middle of a really good point. He's probably really on a roll. He's getting going. He probably doesn't realize that there's somebody coming down. And the people in the back of the room are like, what's happening It's happening!" it's happening, it's crazy, you know, and Jesus going, and but eventually, obviously, Jesus is going to realize that there's a levitating man who's just coming down, and they, and, and it's a good strategy, isn't it, because you really can't ignore it when there's this the guy laying right there at your feet, I mean, it was, I guess he could have kept talking, but he, he doesn't, right, and I would imagine, now Mark doesn't say this, but I would imagine that at some point, Jesus falls silent, and the room probably just goes, says that Jesus just looks at the man and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And I, I don't know exactly how people would have felt. I would imagine that the people who came for the spectacle, the people who came just to see if he would do something, they might have been a bit disappointed. Like, is that it? Is he going to do anything else? You know. But what Mark does tell us is that there were a group of religious leaders, and they're back in the corner. Arms folded, and they dare not say it out loud, because you know Jesus had some fans in the room. But it says they began to think, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Only God forgives sins. And then Jesus, and this is like the, it's like the Jesus juke, you know what I mean? It's one of those moments that you're just like, I'm so glad that was not me. Because it says that Jesus immediately knew what he was thinking, and then he looks at him and says, I know what you're thinking. Now, if it were me, there's a crowd of people, I don't think that guy what You know what I'm thinking? You don't know what <laughs> What was I thinking? i dear Jesus. What was I thinking? You know what I mean? Like you get a little nervous about what you might have been thinking. But it says Jesus, he knew immediately what they were thinking, And he says, he doesn't say this, but he recognizes, he knows, I know that you're thinking that I'm doing something that only God can do. And just so that you're absolutely certain, I want to ask you a little question. And it's a rhetorical question he asks them, because he assumes the answer. Right? He asks them, he says, which would be easier? Is it easier for me to say, I forgive your sins? Or is it easier for me to look at this man and say, take up your mat and walk out of here? He's not expecting an answer because, obviously, the the easier thing is to say, I forgive your sins. You can't prove that I've done it or not done it. Of course, that's so easy. I'm God. I forgive your sins. Peace out. That's easy. That's so easy. No one can prove that I haven't done it. And so Jesus says, which one is easy? I've done done the easy thing. But just so that there is no—because you are right. You are absolutely right. Only God has the power to forgive sins absolutely 100 percent. and just so there's no confusion about the fact that i have just forgiven his sins i'm going to do the hard thing too and it says that a jesus then looked at the man and he said take up your mat and walk and the man got up he took up his mat, and he just walked out of there like a rock star crowds parting and he just walks right out and it says they praised god and they were amazed they said they have never seen anything like that before you see in this moment there were a couple of things happening weren't there were you listening to the story were you looking for it? what did they say about Jesus you see the people in the room they came and those religious leaders what they said even though they didn't say it out loud what they said is if he's really doing this this is something that only God can do and then what did Jesus say about himself by the way, I'm really doing this, and I'm doing something that only God can do, and I want to make sure that when you leave this place, you have no doubt in your mind that I do have the power to forgive sins. So I'm going to do another thing that only God can do. Do you see that? There's no doubt, because some people, if you're going to have a conversation with people about, about other religions, some people, will, they will walk with you all the way up to the edge and say, yeah, Jesus was good. Yeah, Jesus taught good things, yeah, Jesus did good things, yeah, Jesus, yes, Jesus, but there are people who will try to convince you that Jesus never claimed to be God, and if there's nothing else, I want you to leave this place and be certain of the fact, because I know that Jesus would want you to be certain of the fact that he absolutely claimed to be God, and he wanted to prove to them beyond a shadow of a doubt that he absolutely had the authority to forgive sins. There is no doubt that Jesus made that claim. And there is no person outside of Christianity who could ever come to a Christian and say, Jesus never said that, because he said it over and over again so that we would have no doubt that that is exactly what he was saying. Sorry, I just start talking and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> There's something interesting that he does, right? So they say he's doing things only God can do. He says, you're absolutely right, and I'm going to do something else that only God could do. But there's, there's something else that happens here that, that you might not catch. And I think really it's for us. Because, because the man that comes in, right, they bring him in, they lower him down, he's paralyzed. And a paralyzed person, a person with that sort of a disability in that culture, they weren't just sick. They weren't just disabled. They weren't just like, oh, they can't. For them, life was over. People in that culture would have looked at that person and said, you're better off dead. You have nothing to contribute to the society. There's nothing that you can bring to this. Your life is essentially over. That's what it would have meant to be paralyzed in the culture at that time. And what is so absolutely amazing to me, and and what gets me so excited is that when you look at this story, What happens here, not only is Jesus saying, I absolutely am God, and I absolutely have the power to forgive sins, but what Jesus is saying is that I have the power to restore life. Do you understand this? That this man's life was was worthless in the culture. That the culture told him that your life might as well be over because there's nothing for you here. And Jesus said, because I am the son of God, I have the authority to forgive your sins. And I absolutely have the power to restore your life. You see, Jesus was pointing forward to the cross. He was pointing forward to the moment so that we can remember that when we read this, that we are reminded that we worship a risen Savior, that we worship a Savior who went to the cross because he absolutely is God, because he absolutely has the authority to forgive sins, and he absolutely has the authority to restore our lives. Those of us who are walking around as if life is over, we're better off dead. There's nothing we have to offer. That God comes to us and He says, You are not dead, because I have come to forgive you and I have the power to restore you. This is the story that Christianity tells. It's a familiar story, isn't it? It's almost like we're we're back where we started. It's almost as if there's an evil that has come into the world. It's almost as if there is an evil that is so powerful that it captures us in its tentacles and it ensnares us and it enslaves us. And it's almost as if you could say that Jesus is the only hero, and you can look wherever you wanna look, for heroes, But it's almost as if Jesus is the only hero who stands for truth and justice. And that he is the only hero who was powerful enough to overcome that evil and to bring meaning to our lives and to restore us to what God has created us to be. It's almost as if, whether we mean to or not, we can't help but tell the story of Jesus. How do I know that Christianity is telling the right story? I know, personally, that Christianity is telling the right story because only Jesus has the power to forgive my sins. And only Jesus has the power to restore my life. Solomon had everything there was. Solomon searched for meaning in many, many places. And honestly, there there are there are a lot of people in this room, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I think at, at some points we all have moments where we're searching for meaning in other places. That we place value and we say life has to be about something else. There has to be more than this. It can't just be this grind. Some of you, maybe you've accomplished a lot. Maybe, maybe you're a bit like Solomon and, and you've experienced a lot of good things. And yet, even at the end of that, you recognize that life has to be more than just what I can do. I think that we have a, a tendency to search for those things. And yet, the challenge for us is, are we searching for meaning in Jesus Are we going to continue to find that in other places? Are we going to continue to look and search and search and search? You see, the existence of other religions doesn't bother me. It encourages me, actually, because it reminds me that people are inherently searching to know the story of Jesus, and they are inherently searching for meaning. And so I'm very happy when someone tells me that they're following this faith, that they're going to this, because it means that they're on the journey And it means I can come alongside them and I can help them to understand that there's a better story. That there's a hero that can actually bring meaning to their lives. And that there is a hero who can actually overthrow the evil that has captured them and entangled them. And I believe that story is true for us today. The challenge that I have for you this morning, the challenge that I want to encourage you with, for some of you, there, there's probably many of you here who know the story of Jesus, who know this story, and you've heard this many times. And What I'd like to challenge you with today is begin to ask yourself, what is the story that you're trying to tell? Are you telling the story of Jesus? Are you leaning into the power of God in your life? Are, are you leaning into that restoration of life? Or have you found yourself drifting, looking for meaning in other things, allowing your, your, your heart to be swayed, and so you're, you're looking for it somewhere else? Just be honest with yourself. I've been down this path. There have been moments in my life when I've found myself saying, well, my, my worth and my value and what makes me worthwhile to society is if I'm, if I'm preaching and if I'm working in a church, and frankly, in America, there aren't too many churches that will let a woman preach. And I can tell you that there are moments when I'm sitting doing something that is not working at a church thinking, my life is pointless. What is the use of this? You see, it doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus. If you're not careful, you can begin to search for meaning and value in your life in someplace else. And So I want to challenge you today that if you do know Jesus, are you really, are you really telling his story or, or are you telling some other story? And perhaps there's some of you today, and you've come here, and you're not sure. You're not sure about what you believe, about Christianity or about Jesus. And today, I want to invite you into the story, because some of you right now, you may have this sense within you, there's something bubbling up, and you're saying, yeah, I recognize that story, that familiar story, that longing for meaning, and it's there, and you feel it every single day, you feel it, and you know there's got to be something else. It can't just be this. It can't just end here. There has to be something else. And if you come in here today, then I would say that it's not a mistake that you're here. It's not by accident. I think that God knew that you were going to be here this morning. And I would encourage you to lean into that story because it's not a mistake that your soul longs to tell that story. Because your soul God has placed that within you to draw you to himself. And so if you're wrestling with that story this morning, I would invite you to meet Jesus, to come and understand that he is the risen Savior who has the power to set you free and to restore your life. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. thank you for what you've done for us, God. I thank you for the way that, that you, you do restore us, that you've come to set us free, that you've come to renew us, that you forgive our sins. I thank you that you tell a better story. God, I just ask today that if we've, if we've wandered from you, if we've walked away from that story a little bit, if we've searched for meaning or value... God, if we started to tell a story that is something outside of your story, God, I ask that you would begin to draw us back to you today, that you would bring conviction to our hearts, God, that you would set us free from those things that, that enslave us and entangle us, God, if we're wrapped up in sin and we need to repent, God, I ask that you would give us the courage today to lay that down at the cross, to ask for forgiveness, God, to have the faith of the paralyzed man, because God, we know that you are God, we know that you are capable and you have the power to set us free. You have the power to rescue us. God, so I just ask that you would uh, be gracious with us today. That you would enable us to surrender ourselves before you today. That we would acknowledge that we are not God, and that you are not only good. That you are so much more than good. We just come before you humbly today, God. And we thank you for the story that you tell, and we thank you that you continue to pursue us and you continue to draw us to you because you love us. We just worship you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. As Johnny starts to play. Thanks, Johnny. As Johnny starts to play, he's going to sing a, a song. Uh, I'm going to invite those of you who have not yet been baptized. If you've not yet been baptized, and uh, it's time you trusted Jesus, as we all stand, can you come up to Chrissy here, please, so Chrissy can pray for you, and then we'll baptize you next week as new Christians. So, for those of you who have not yet been baptized this morning, and actually it's time to realise Jesus isn't just good, but He is God. Then, just as we're singing, come to the front, come to Chrissy. Chrissy will pray for you, uh, uh, and uh, then we'll get you baptized uh, next month on Sunday. So do we stand and sing these hymns right, This Our everlasting. We all create.